Hello, it is time to head north. I'm Natasha Ryan. I am the VP of Communications and Business Development for the North Group. And here with me, my extraordinary podcast co-host, Vince Rocco Vargas. You may recognize his face. He's a Hollywood celebrity, Mayans MC, and he brought his buddy Sal on our podcast today. Sal, I'm so excited to have you here. Would you please give us a little bit of your background? Yeah, absolutely. So first, thanks for inviting me on here, Vince. Um, it's always fun to hang out with you and get to talk to you. And Tosh, it's a pleasure to meet you. Me too. Um, so how far you want me to go back? <laughs> Anything interesting, Sal. Uh, right Anything on. interesting. Whatever you so miss, I'll pick. There you go. So I'm the first American born in my family. My parents came from Italy. Um, and so grew up in outside of Washington, D.C. area in Maryland, uh, outside a little place called Rockville or Wheaton. And it's outside Silver Spring. So really, you could throw a rock at D.C. But um, so I grew up there, um, spent a considerable time in the military, retired, I guess, last year after about 29 years. Thank you. Uh, most of it was National Guard time, but I got about eight years active duty. Thank you. Um, that's how I actually met Vince. I was, you know, I had my propaganda shirt on like I do now. And he's like, hey, where'd you get that shirt? And I was like, uh, uh oh, somebody's sniffing here. Let's see where we're going with this. <laughs> but um, so spent about four years as a police officer. I think I've done every job possible to man. I uh, used to be a financial advisor, um, realized that wasn't for me went through the military learned how to be a medic and just fell in love with medicine um and then just last december graduated from the university of utah with a pa degree Woohoo! yeah Man, you really have done uh done it all haven't you so yeah, jack of all trades master of none right yeah. i call guys that like being four one one. yeah guys like me and sal we tend to jump around until we find what sticks uh there's a lot of guys like us and, and me and sal became really close because uh it's almost like we we lived exact lives you know what i mean and so there, it, it was funny he didn't explain the whole story of how we met but our kids <laughs> were wrestling together uh in a high school tournament it was one of their big first tournaments and I got there and, and yelled at my daughter. I didn't yell at her. I honestly said like, hey, baby, you're better than that. And she turned and yelled at me. She's like, shut up. And I was like, whoa, never heard of that before. And so she was just so stressed out. She kind of snapped back at me. And Sal goes, don't worry. My son just did the same thing. And that was the first conversation we had was both was laughing about how our kids were so stressed in their first major tournament that they snapped at their parents. And well, then I let, looked let me yeah. let me add a caveat, Vince. She they were both on the mat in the middle of a match and stopped. Yes, and ah, that makes it even better. One hundred percent. It was. Yes. I was red. I was I was mad and I was embarrassed. I was like, oh my god, this is like I can't <laughs> believe that just happened. And uh, he said the same thing, right? And so we laughed. I saw his shirt. I knew he was a a military of some sort. And the shirt, I knew there was probably a special operations tie. Um, yeah. Sal was a special operations guy. I was a special operations guy. And so from there, we, we continued to, when we were in the same mat room with the kids, we became closer and closer. 
And it's just continued. Our relationships continue to grow coincidentally that now two of our younger kids are in a relationship together. And it's just kind of <laughs> continued to, to, to blend this, this friendship into like, we're, we're stuck together, man. Now we're stuck at the hip. <laughs> I know. I told Roman, I said, dude, don't you mess this up. Vince is my friend. He's going to be my friend no matter what. So. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it's funny. But, um, yeah. you know, Sal, we do a podcast on all things kind of security and risk management. And mm. I mean, we've had every topic you can think of we've been we've been trying to touch on. And this is kind of a different approach is I wanted to bring on someone who who has lived a very similar life as mine, who has experienced some of the, the, the most, um, I guess, you know, hardships we've seen through our careers of military and law enforcement, and as well as seeing what's going on in society today, but as well as a family man, because, uh, you know, in recent years, the active shooter scenarios have been uh, growing and yeah. And, it grow, and they grow to the point where we start seeing like, man, day to day, I personally, how can I be prepared for that event? Some people don't even want to acknowledge that there's a thing, right? Or don't, they're like, I don't even want to have to prepare. But we live in a space where, uh, and we've been trained to like, failing to prepare uh, is the worst thing you can do. And so me personally, you know, I've taken my concealed carry course. Someone taught me, Sal did. <laughs> I have my concealed carry. Um, you know, I train as often as I possibly can to be to be good at what I need to be for for the event that something happens. And I do it more not for myself, but for my family's sake. And someone like you who lives a similar kind of parallel life of that, um, we just saw recently the the active shooter scenario during during an, an event that's happened for almost 20 years. They've never had an incident yeah. until now. And to know like psychologically how damaging that can be for a community and how hard that can be for families and 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 that idea in the back of our heads that it could happen to any of us at any time what are some of the things that one you have done to prepare yourself in in the event that we go to a parade and something similar happens but the biggest question I have is how do you prepare your kids for this? Do you safeguard them and not tell them? Are you are you keeping them away from the, the truth of it? Or are you gently telling them, you know, the realities of life that we, we live in? Yeah, that's uh that's an interesting question, Vince, because it's you know, a lot of times when you have anybody that's been in kind of a tactical or any kind of aggressive position where you have to defend others it's something you start to take second nature and you, you take for granted what you know and what you're able to do. And sometimes it's hard to pass that on to people, especially your kids. Right? I mean, I got three boys and honestly, like I haven't even taught them how to shoot a gun because it's just like, well, we're not there and I don't want you to be part of that yet. But to answer your question, I think one running is the wrong answer. I think hiding or having, I guess, ostrich effect where you said not even bringing it up. I think that's the wrong answer. I think the kids need to know what's going on. They got to be prepared. Um, not everybody's going to be like you and me. Not everybody's going to be able to step up and do it, you know, certain things, which I'll get to in a minute. But, but the more information and the more, I guess, knowledge and skill they have to get themselves out of a situation I think is important. Nobody has to be a hero, but how do you 
how do you fix yourself if you're in a situation like that? Or how do you get yourself to a spot where you can be protected or your family members can be protected, right? And so if you look at any active shooter training, there's always three approaches they take. One is you hide or you leave, right? The other one is you hide or third is you fight back. Um, you know, some of those I'm okay with, but like the last mm. one fighting back, you're going to ask someone that's never been in a fight, never been in a situation to fight back against somebody when their, their stress level is so high and they've never experienced that before. They're going to go into total black mode. They're not going to be able to recognize or, or think clearly, but yeah, with my they, family, they say, uh, let me interject real quick. Cause they teach us is that you don't rise to the occasion. You rise to the level of training. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, exactly. You know, in these stressful scenarios and Tosh from our world, we train, our training is so hard that the event is easy. Yeah. You know, this is interesting. So, yeah. And so when I say that, it's like, you never think you're never going to rise to the occasion and show up with some super skills that you've never tried, but in your head said you could, you're only going to elevate. I, I to always the level. think that I would be a total badass in that situation, but you guys are making me totally <laughs> rethink my uh, wonder woman skills here. There's these paternal things too, is like crazy parents could do crazy cool stuff too. But, <laughs> you know, but if you're thinking you're going to throw a nice one, two, three combo and you've never thrown in your life, it's not yeah. going to look as beautiful as it does in your head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and with that, you know, my big thing is, being teaching the kids how to recognize scenarios right and that's a lot of what that book is about um is being able to recognize scenarios and you know how common is it for kids to throw firecrackers in the school and yeah. 18 plus years of going to school that's never happened in my lifetime but what yeah. happens if kids hear a sound that they're not used to Oh, somebody's lighting a firecracker. Let me go check it out. And next thing they know, they're looking down the barrel of a gun. And so yeah. part of my thing with my kids is it is not normal to hear that kind of stuff in a school. It is not normal to hear firecrackers in a store. It's not normal to hear firecrackers in a mall. And so if you hear those things, don't go investigate. Just leave. Get out of the scenario. Yeah. Go away. Like run. Yeah. I don't care. And if somebody wants to call you names, let them. But at the end of the day, you put yourself in a situation to win and to succeed and, and to basically fight another day, if you will. So, and, and Tosh, that, we've never had this conversation beforehand, me and Sal. But the crazy thing is, is I have taught my kids this, a very similar. I'm going to let you go on, but I'm, I'm gonna, it trips mm -hmm. me out to hear similar mindsets, similar ideologies. Well, and I'm yeah, thinking yeah. what I, the conversation I have with my kids, and I never even thought to liken it to firecrackers, never thought to make that it, because that's something they can grasp because Sal, my kids are young, they're five and nine. Yeah. So like the firecrack analogy is firecracker is something that they could process. Whereas like I say, gunfire, they probably don't even know what they the hell that really sounds, sounds like. like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think if you look back to, if I remember reading the report on Sandy Hook, which, you know, that was terrible. I mean, anybody dying is terrible, but when it's kids that age, the principal heard gunfire and went to investigate. 
And so for me, that right off the bat, again, it's it's human nature, right? That whole saying, curiosity killed the cat. Um, so I tell my kids, it's not normal. Don't go looking for what's going on. If anything, get out of the building. Get away from where you are. Go someplace that you can have yeah. some kind of protection or you're out of sight. And so that's something I teach them. And I said, and if you can't, then find some place that you can actually barricade yourself into, lock the door. Don't just hide under a table or do something. Like find some place you can lock the door or do something. Now, granted, we're talking about inside a structure. So, you know, that's kind of a, that's a, you got to have a door there to have that. But, you know, and, and then if they can't, then, you know what, if you have to fight, then be prepared to fight. And if you have to fight, look around you and what can you use? So that's kind yeah. of the approach I have. I mean, there was in the special ops community, there used to be a, a course called loan operator. I don't know if you remember that, Vince, but they would teach you to do things when you were out by yourself and to use certain certain things as weapons, right? So I don't have any more I was going to show you, but like if you have an old PC laptop, they have those bricks of an extent, you know, of the power cord. You yeah. literally got like a six-inch block by two inches on yeah. a string. For all intents and purposes, it becomes a weapon. And I said, you're in school. You have that, right? Yeah. Um, rock climbing. Nobody knows if you rock climb or not. But if you have two carabiners with um, a runner, which is just a cord connecting those two carabiners, well, now you have another weapon. And these are things that... It's more, like you said, Vince, it's mindset. Like, how are you going to find something to help protect yourself, right? Yeah. Um, and nobody really wants to think about these things, again, because why? Because it's gruesome. It's it's psychologically, like, damaging, or it's, like, scary. Like, you mean yeah, I have it's, to hit somebody on the head with this block? Yeah. Yeah. So the hard thing is that you almost take away the innocence of the kids, but you kind of have to at times when you're addressing these these situations. And that's as a parent, you're like, man, do I really want to introduce them into to my world and my brain yet? Um, and there's kind of the balance of what I try to do is give them a little bit, but not the most of it. Right. Like I, yeah. I don't need to go down the road of like, you know what I mean? Like down the road that they don't really need to, but I do address on. So what, what my kids sound in the same token, I said, creating distance. Right. And, and, and I've studied a lot of active shooters and a lot of active shooter videos that, that they've recorded themselves. And I've realized that if you've watched a lot of these videos, it's the path of least resistance because, you know, they're in a haste and they want to, they want to engage as many people as possible. And so they're going in the path of least resistance. So closed doors, usually they don't twist knobs and continue trying. They just go, Nope, that's locked. Nope, that's locked. Keep going. But at the same time is I tell my kids like create distance, like distance affects accuracy. Most of these kids are not that trained. So the farther you get from the shooter, the more safe you would potentially be. Also is there is no rules in an active shooter situation, meaning you can grab a chair and throw it through a window and jump out of a window. In our heads, in our kids' heads, like that's you're going to get in trouble. There is no such thing as law at that moment. Yeah. There's chaos. And then chaos means you survive and meaning – you will have to grab a chair and throw it through and, and jump out. If that's what you need, there's no teachers can say, stop. You're going to say, no, I know this scenario. My dad talked about it. It's called madness. And madness means I go running straight to dad and dad's going as fast as he can back to you. Right? Like this, this idea of sometimes it's like if a cop asks you a question right away, you answer because like it feels like you have to. 
we're trained this way and our yeah. kids are right. And your kids are trained not to like do things like throw a chair through a window. But I said like, but why not? In the, in the case of your life, you might be saving more lives, willing, willingness to think outside the box of what the world has taught us and say, no, now I need to survive. You yeah. know, that's I what I my older one that I'm like, you get out at all costs. If that means you break something, you crawl out of something, you get out at all costs. It doesn't matter. And she, yeah, yeah. oh, okay. I'm like, you. if you have to break something, you break it. It's fine. In those moments, you do what you got to do. But, you know, you said something, and I wanted to come back to this, that um, yeah. what do we do? Like, do we instill that kind of fear in our kids? And I automatically think back. So when I was little, it was the Adam Walsh case. Remember Adam Walsh? Yeah, yeah. Kidnapped that's how the whole, yeah, America's Most Wanted started that way, right? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. so, yes. Yes. So, I remember being little and my mom instilled the fear of God in me about kidnapping. Like I still to this day don't see a white van and go, nope, nope, not going near it. You know, like I, I still to date. Okay. And so, but here's where this paid off. And I think of this because I, you know, I think sometimes my kids are like, why are you telling us this? Well, I'm doing it for your own good, even though it doesn't feel like it. But I remember a scenario when I was little and we were out in the front yard, my cousin and I, we were in like a little fenced in front yard area and this car drove up with two younger men and mm -hmm. they stopped. Our parents were just inside, but they weren't outside with us. And my cousin went right up to the car and I did not. I tried to say, no, don't go. And I went right inside and grabbed a parent and they came out and the guys took off. And like, I think mm -hmm. back to if I had not had that fear of kidnapping I may have walked right up to that car too. And who knows, right? But I remember being like in that moment, I can still remember it very clearly being so afraid that I didn't, I was like, no, don't go up. She walked, I went right in and got help and they took off. So yeah. Tosh, think of it this way, Tosh. Maybe it's not fear. They, they're preparing you, right? If like, yeah. I don't want to instill fear in my kids. Right, I want them right. to be immensely prepared for these scenarios. Like in the military, we do a thing called war gaming. And it's like, if I'm going to enter a room, I got to think of like the worst case scenario that could potentially happen. And we, we do this in op orders. We say, okay, in the worst case scenario, we, we take casualties of this amount. We, that means that we're, we're mission ineffective, blah, blah, blah. Right. But I war game every scenario. I walk into a boxing match and I say, all right, uh, the potentially the crowd would probably run this way. Let's find an exit that way. Right. And me and my wife do this just by like, this is what I do for my wife. I say good exit. 100%. That's what we'll probably use. And and I do this with my kids and they probably think I'm absolute nutso, but I do it in a way where it's like common, like this isn't crazy. I just say, Hey, that exit, if something happens, guys, we're going to be heading this way. Right. And, and I've kind of turned it into a thing and hopefully it's not a fear thing. It's become a, a preparedness thing. Um, and, and well, it's good because it's becoming habitual in their minds. So now they're going to do it. Yeah. And, and yeah. I mean, look, it's the truth is they, they've only been raised by me. So it's, <laughs> they're 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 probably thinking like why don't other dads do this it's like oh sal does this <laughs> yeah you well know, you're both right it's, it's tough because like do you really want to create hyper vigilance vigilance in a teenage kid but you know it's it's a fine balance because it's one do i give you the tools to save your life and give you a little bit of paranoid or paranoia with it or do I just, you know, not give you any tools and, and hope nothing happens? And it's it's a balance. I mean, I don't know the right answer, you know? I think back in the day, you could roll the dice. I don't think yeah. in today's world you can roll the dice. I really don't. And no. it, well, look, 
we, we prepare our kids for many other things other than active shooters. And we probably don't realize it because it's just day in, day out. Fires. Hey, fires, make sure no one touches you in these places. Don't talk mm -hmm. to strangers. These are all preparedness. And, and back in the day, people would probably think that was instilling fear in them. But yeah. I got to tell you, even the private part conversation, I know so many parents that still avoid that topic because they, they don't. It's so horrific to think about it. But I'm like, it happens. Like one in four kids are sexually assaulted and it's usually at the hand of someone they know. Like you, you need oh, yeah. to tell them about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's I mean, even the conversation of sex might be uncomfortable, but if I don't teach them, someone else will. You, you know what yeah, I mean? You don't, and so I, you don't want them learning that on the yeah, playground. Yeah, they don't need to learn that from their friends. Trust me, they don't know they shit. They all know. So, well, and, so like, yeah, go ahead, Sal. No, no, no. I was just saying, you know, it, it, you're right. It all comes down to what we teach our kids and how we teach them. And, and they don't have to be able to handle every situation, but they got to be able to recognize it and then stay out of it. You know, and that, yeah. that's kind of the approach that I try to take is, you know, unfortunately, the, the former police officer, I mean, when we're downtown, I'm pointing out people to my kids on the street. I'm like, see that dude? See how he's holding his waistband and he's walking? You know, you don't know what he has there. Maybe he has something in there. Maybe he doesn't. You know, I'm the same. Because And this is just a side note. But Vince, you probably know it. Everybody does the quintessential check is my is my yeah. hidden weapon still in place. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's like, shirt hung up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, and the yeah, other thing right. is, I I have a, me and my wife have a tap thing where I tap her waist, and if I tap her waist, she goes to the other side of me. It's if yeah. someone's walking up on the side of the road and he looks just a little weird, I'm like, well, why would I leave my wife closer to him? I'll put myself there. So I give her a tap, boom, she goes, and we keep walking. No one notices. She knows it, but that's just been an habitual thing that we've done, and she she gets it. She goes, I notice you do that. I'm like, that's my own. Why would I keep the threat closer to you if it is a threat? Yeah. Put me there first. You know what I mean? And yeah. and my kids do it too. We walk in the street and I put them away from the street. I put me there, and it's got like a hand shifting. I'm like, nope. <laughs> yeah, and and those are things that subconsciously I think there's they get as well. They understand, but those are things that we do as a, as a safety mechanism of just observing life. Like those are dangers. Those are threats. And now all we're doing it on a grand scale of like potentially other threats could be sad truth, active shooters. Yeah. yeah and, and and you're right you're both right like tosh you said something earlier about training for fire drills and stuff and 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 even like you said the private thing it's like parents don't want to like your family is a team like vince yeah in the military this is what i'm talking about like we wouldn't even think twice we would have so many contingencies in place hey, if this happens we got this if that happens we go that way but with our family like civilians in our family even me now like your family's your team but we still don't practice those safeguards we don't yeah. i guess for lack of a better term put in sops or standard protocols for hey if i tell you i'm bouncing and we're walking in the grocery store that means i just saw somebody i don't want to know you and so i'm going to go this way you go whatever like kind of so it, it you're right it's like a, very few families will actually set up things that says this is what needs to happen if this happens. And it's unfortunate. You know, and it, it is unfortunate, but I, I understand the other side is like, it sucks that we live in an environment that that has to be a thing. But, and so like, I think a lot of people don't want to digest that. Like you said, Natasha, they don't want to, they, that's too hard of a reality for them to give their kids. But, but it would be even harder reality if something did happen and you knew you could have trained them or prepared them and they didn't get that. Yeah. And so you want to hear, yes, 
Yes. And, and they don't. Vince, I want to give an example. So you and I did a podcast last week about uh, trafficking the border, everything, right? With the, yeah. with the incident that happened in Texas, all those folks dying in the back of the, the semi. Awful. Okay. And so I post on my Facebook, if I post our family vacation at Disneyland, over a hundred people look at it, like it, comment. You put a post up about the reality of human trafficking and you say, listen, friends, I know this is unpleasant, but it's so important. Please just look at this. I think maybe nine, nine people. Oh, I mean, they just don't want to hear it. And, and what mm. I can't convey enough to people, of course, Sal, so my background is I was a news anchor for 16 years. So I disseminate oh, information, right? Like that's, I've always been on the educate, disseminate information path my whole life. And so I don't, I don't understand the not wanting to consume the information because knowledge is power. I mean, the, knowledge is power. They say that for a reason, right? So I, I really like, it just blows my mind, but they really, people don't want to hear the gnarly scenarios that could play out and no one's invincible. I mean, in my news days, if I had a penny for every time someone said, I didn't think this could happen to me. I never thought this would happen to our family. I mean, no one's invincible. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's unfortunate because even like I do teach concealed carry permit and a lot of people are, they're trying to take the, not Vince, I'm not saying you, but there are a lot of, unfortunately there's a lot of women that think getting a concealed carry permit is going to solve the problem. And it's not. Um, one of your, one of your leaders in your world, Vince Grossman, right? He wrote that book, yep. Lieutenant Grossman wrote that book yep. and it's called like on killing and then the psychologic, uh, there's another one. I, I don't remember of it on, on killing and on combat. Yeah. And it talks about the psychological impact that all these negative things happen on people. And especially, you know, when people want to, and I'm addressing your point, so bear with me. It's just a long way to it. Um, <clears throat> they want to get a gun and they want to be involved and they want to be ready for all this stuff, but they don't understand the psychological aspect that comes with it. And so what do they do? They put their head in the sand and they ignore that whole piece of it. And it's unfortunate because this world, like you said, the, this world is, is not, it's not what it used to be when we were little. Now this is, it's just getting out of control. So I don't know. Yeah. And that to, to add to that. So what, what Dave Grossman talks about is that us as humans, it is, Un, it is unnatural for us to be willing to take a life and yeah. that people throughout the years have had to be desensitized to that. And there's studies from back in the day where guys in civil war lined up, were just loading their musket and not even pulling the trigger, loading it again, and not pulling the trigger because it, they couldn't come to terms with actually taking a life. And so many people go out there and get their training done and they get the concealed carry. They believe this tool, this gun, this tool is going to protect them. But in reality, it's not. It's a tool. It's the mentality side of it, the training aspects of it that most people miss and mm -hmm. that never understand. Like that is the more valuable aspect of not just carrying a gun is knowing how to use it and when to use it. Right. Using that tool as a safety precaution and not as a threat you know, not as the, the, right. the chest. Right. And so, Correct. and so the, the scary thing in the world is that, that the more guns that are out there is like, I hope all the people that carry guns are well-trained and understand the aspects of this. And when you do pull that gun, um, what comes with that, the psychological effects of after pulling that trigger. You and know, so I've, so many I've, 
Yeah, I've thought about that because, you know, my dad is a is a veteran and I know mm -hmm. that things have been done. Right. Like, but I think about, could I, cause I obviously have never been in a position where I've had to make that choice. And so I think about that, like, could I take a life? And when I think about that, I honestly don't know if, 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 if it was just me, I'm not sure. I think the only, the only way I could 100% say yes to that is if they came at my kids, if someone came at my kids, I'm pretty confident I would kill them. But I don't know that I could do it if it wasn't at my kids. I would hope in that moment I would have the wherewithal to think, well, you're their mom and you need to be present for them. So you have to do it for your kids. But like I, you know, that is a really that's a hard, hard thing to think about. Yeah. And as well as to 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 identify that there's a threat of that capacity, as well as to identify, uh, is this a justified moment it's it's so many levels to this and that's why you know in the military we train so much we work with roi which is rules of engagement um we we, we put ourselves through stress shoots we put ourselves through to stressful engagements whether it's an innocent target or not and all these things and still there can be a slip up yeah. a mistake it's a it's a it's a very it's at multiple levels of like training and being prepared uh, is not a one-time thing. It's a perishable skill of being good at your at the skill set, whether it's carrying a gun, whether it's pulling from the concealed position, whether it's just being prepared physically, mentally, emotionally. And so like there's so many levels to it that that yeah. it's it's a bit overwhelming when we talk about it like this. I, I'm like in my head like man, you know, like can my kids <laughs> my kids are athletic, thank God, but what if they weren't and they couldn't escape from an event? Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so tough. when you go back, yeah, <clears throat> when you go back to that post you're talking about on Facebook, people don't they don't want to deal with it because it hurts. It's yeah. real. It's scary. It's, oh, it's awful. It's, yeah, and it's so they they tend to ignore it. So, and if you're a, if you're, you know, if you're empathetic, like a, an extreme empath, that stuff stays with you, right? Yeah. Like, and and I'm sure you guys have you know, you have those moments that have stayed with you that I would say haunt you. Uh, Cause I have moments even, you know, back in the, in the news business, when I started um, and you were in smaller market sizes, the cops shared a lot with you off the record because you were someone that was on the scene. They could talk to you and, and, and they could, they, they could tell you things they couldn't tell the normal person. Right. Because they thought, well, She's at all these crime scenes. This is what she does. She deals with it. You know, I, I'd have to read the criminal complaints and reports with all of the gory details. And and there's stuff that haunts me. And I didn't even see it. I was just told about it. So I I understand how hard it can be to consume this because of the fear that it won't leave you. But But sometimes it takes that need to know those haunting things to truly be aware and protect your kids. That's, I yeah. mean, that's just I, always, I, yeah. I think we're at the point and I think we've been at the point for several years now to have your family prepared and ready for these events, you know, and, and, and that's to me is personally had the, the route that I've taken is that we are always, it's always a conversation. I always identify the exit points and the strategies and whether it's me thinking in my head, like, okay, uh, 
here's what some of the ideas in my head wargaming with maybe my wife my kids don't need to be a part of that conversation so much so but there's the exit strategy just in case guys and i say if there's a fight and it's whatever they all know there's an exit strategy for whatever event but i think we've been there for a few years now and and that's the that's the path that i've chosen for my family uh i'm always prepared even if not house now i'm like i locked the front door <laughs> like 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 yes. I, i'm always prepared for for the weird weird event um, and mm -hmm. I do think it's time. And, and Sal, is that something you as well? You're always prepared for it. Yeah. And, and this is the thing like too, it's, uh, there's been a lot of focus on active shooters, but you just said it, it could be a fight. It could be anywhere. And that's, that's the thing. They got to be prepared. And like, and I, we have this conversation in my house quite a bit, but when I got out of the military and went to college, I had a communications class. And I literally back then, you know, we used to all carry beepers. I gave a beeper to a kid. I gave another kid a, a hammer and I had a screwdriver in my back pocket. And my whole argument was gun control and that it doesn't work. But that's a different topic if you ask me. But and and I basically told him the beeper's a bomb. The hammer I could bash your head in, the screwdriver could stab you. So I don't it, you just I think back to your thing, Vince. You just got to have a plan. You got to have preparedness. You got to teach your your family, your kids, whomever. It's like, look, it doesn't matter what kind of situation it is. One, you got to be able to recognize it. And two, you got to get yourself out of there. And so Beautiful. that's my I piece. I don't know. You know what's something? Go Sorry. Oh, are you, you going to plug his book? Yeah, you I want to segue his book. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so those of you who are listening, uh, Sal is one of the authors of a book. Um here it is right here on the screen, the Ultimate Travel Safety Program, Common Sense Guide to Traveling and Missionaries. And so we do live in Salt Lake City, Utah, and that is the people do travel out of country. And so as well as anyone who just travels for vacation or whatnot, um, Sal and his partner have written a, written a book and really it just kind of helps you make practical practical choices to keep you safe while traveling. Um, and, and that's a big reason also why I want to invite you to this. But, but, not, but Natasha, go ahead. What, what were you going to say? I don't know. I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sal, uh, so I, I really appreciate your time. You know, it's, it's cool that we've never yes, had the conversation. So having, you, having you here, the conversation was very similar to mindset of what, what I do with my family. Um, and so good to know that my oh, daughter. I know. Was... I know what it was. I know what it was, Vince. I know what it was. Okay. So yeah. what I was going to say is, yeah. you know, again, I keep saying my kids are younger. Mm -hmm. The one thing that they're getting already that, that they can be taught, I feel like at this age, is when we go somewhere now, my oldest will go, mom, that guy doesn't seem right. There's something, and I'm like, good. She's being situationally aware. And I'm like, always go. trust that instinct. If someone seems yes. creepy or off, or you, know, you just get a weird vibe, you just stay away. Like you stay yeah. away. And so she's already, we'll, we'll go into like a parking lot. She's like, mom, that guy, no, no. I'm like, okay, good. Get in the car faster, you know, like she, you know, she's starting to get it, which makes me very proud. <laughs> That's good. Well, let me let me say two things, and then I think Vince was rapping, but yeah, Vince you is know, rapping. Talk about kids. I don't think they're ever too young to learn. I think it's all how you present it with firecrackers and, and what yeah. you're doing. When we teach medical to younger kids, we equate like excessive bleeding to a hose a garden hose well what do you do when you want to mess with mom and dad and they're using the garden hose you step on the hose and what happens to the water it stops right 
And so then what happens when you take your foot off the hose? It starts, the water starts going again. So that's the way we teach our kids or when we're teaching, we teach kids to put it in a manner that they understand it. And I think that's a key aspect. And the military is infamous for nobody wants to train medical until it's too late. But I think what you were saying earlier, I don't think they're ever too young. I think if you can find a way that they can relate, I think you start training them that way. I think that's an important piece to it. The other piece I was going to say is um, some kind of medical kit should always be in the car because you never yes. know where you're going to be and where you are and what you need. And, you know, if all you have is a belt with a stick and a rag with a stick, so be it. But as long as you have something that you can protect your family or save your family with. So, yeah, my kids have a tourniquet. Yeah. <laughs> They all have a tourniquet in their backpacks. I don't know. Sorry. Now feel, I, I, I was proud. Now I'm feeling inadequate. So No, no. I, th I think what you're doing is great because if they're already recognizing it, that's half the battle. <laughs> so, but no, that's awesome. So, Well, thanks, Sal. Uh, this was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Vince, great bringing him on. Thank you. And of course, come to TNGDefense.com for more podcasts just like this one. And you can listen to uh, audio on Spotify, Podbean, iTunes. So we're everywhere. Just uh, tune in to Time to Head North for the next one. Sal, thanks again so much. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Pleasure to meet you.